welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker, and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Yep, that's us. Thanks to KO Sports, Trevor Long, alongside Harry Tucker, Connor McNally, on his final night of two-wheeled boringness. He'll be back (laughs) after the winter break with uh, actual Formula One action once again. Harry, great to have you company, mate. Uh, KO Mini or the full race? Let's go full race. I'm going to say full race. Are you okay? We'll get more, we'll get more into it. You, think, you, you don't think so? Absolutely well, not. not. Really? Wow. Okay. All right. We'll unpack this shortly. Usually we're, this is, we're pretty eye to eye on this usually. So this yeah, is, I this don't is think- interesting. I don't think I, I – yeah, no, couldn't, I, I assumed you were taking the mickey. But anyway, we'll, we will unpack that. Um, and because that's the great thing, you can uh, you can choose how you rewatch this race. You're obviously someone that chose to sleep through the night and wake up to this. Uh, I expected an unbelievable race, but you can catch it all on KO Sports, ksports.com.au. Um, I think the supercar action this week, weekend was much more exciting than the Formula One. But <laughs> we have a result. Uh, Max Verstappen ahead of Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, and Sebastian Vettel took the final points place. Harry, explain yourself. I mean, just straight up, explain yourself. <laughs> Look, I... You know, when I say, what you know, watch the full race and not the mini, it doesn't necessarily mean that I think it was an amazing race throughout. Mm. My reasoning behind it is that I felt like just throughout the race, there was just constantly something happening. Like, it, there was no particularly major moments. There was no particular tension or anything like that. But throughout the race, there was consistently something trickling along where I feel like a lot of races, it is it can be, you know, the first 10 laps and the last 10 laps and then nothing in the middle. It's had things happening the whole time. Yeah, no, I see That's my logic. But I feel like a good 20-minute highlight will do the job because you'll see most of what what matters. I think the challenge, and and we might unpack it a bit, but the challenge is I don't think we saw some of the best stuff. I mean, I'm not sure I saw Vettel get past um, Stroll there at the end, but he did. there was some Ricardo stuff we missed. I just feel like there was a bit we missed because the action on camera was was somewhere else. But anyway, look, George Russell had an amazing weekend. He grabbed pole position to everyone's surprise, frankly. Uh, um, there, no one saw that coming. It was it was full on <laughs> that, that he just came from almost nowhere. He got a great start too, and, and I think he 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 got as good a start as the Ferraris, but they. While they were strong, they didn't seem like they were going to be right on him from the get-go. I feel like, Harry, he had just enough to to hold him off. Yeah, I think it, you know, it sort of got to it a little bit later in the race. Um, I think, I can't remember if it was Crofty or Martin who was saying where you could very much feel that sense that, you know, he wanted to win his first race ever. Whereas, you know, the Ferraris, they know that they're fighting for other things as well and had to be a little bit careful. And that, I felt like that was very apparent from right, yeah, right from the beginning. Yeah, I think you're right. Whenever there was wheel-to-wheel action um, with George and uh, Charles or George and Carlos, whoever whoever it might have been, it was like George knew that it wouldn't matter if he mm-hmm. bumped a car and got a got a puncture. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Charles definitely pulled out 
of the throttle at some points to let George go and have another go at it next lap or, or that kind of thing. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think this is a race we need to step through minute by minute because what we need to talk about here is how George <laughs> got third and how Ferrari failed in this race. So so let's talk about George first. I mean, George ha- had the lead. Um, he was able to hold off a bit. Um, the 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 Ferraris, but there was some there was some strategies, some good strategy here, some undercuts and things, and in the end, the the Ferraris just just did have him on on basic mm. speed. They had the DRS, they were in the right place at the right time. It was clear that it was going to be a hail mary or a safety car or a rain or something that would have allowed George to have a freak win here. It was a bit disappointing in the end, but. I, you know, I don't think he deserved the win because of um, you no. know, just a great weekend. Uh, that just it is what it is, he, don't you think? He had a pretty good battle with uh, with Charles. There was a couple of laps there, which which was fun. Um, but you know, it was sort of the opposite to the start of the race where it, it did feel a bit inevitable that he he was going to get overtaken, and of course he did. Um, I, I you know I think he did the best he could with the car, and it was pretty exciting in the sense of that it very much felt like the car was the limit and not his abilities, yeah. and it's sort of just that I got a bit of a feeling watching him in that battle there that, you know, the, the sport's in, in good hands, especially with uh, Seb's retirement this weekend and things like that. Just a bit of confidence for the future. You know, I do. I, I, I agree with that because we've seen pretty good stuff from Lando, great stuff from Max, uh, good attitude from George. You know, if you look at the next 10 years, it's it's pretty hmm. exciting. Um, it doesn't really matter which others come into that that those ranks even i didn't even mention charles you know you put that's four amazing yeah. drivers to to be our next decade of of racing if even if no one else challenges them so george i think was smart here the other thing that he did that was smart was he raced lewis at the end um so lewis <laughs> hamilton on soft tires clearly a faster set of tires george on mediums um we're talking 11 laps to go while the commentary team is talking about Lewis passing oh. Carlos, passing George, and getting to Max with ten laps to go, he's got twelve and, seconds to make up. Oh Guys, that's bullshit! Like it was so even, frustrating. Yeah. Even Mercedes obviously knew it, the fact that they let them race each other. Like, if, yeah, there was look, no chance I, that they would have let that, great, that racing happen. <laughs> great respect for that, because I think what it allowed George to do was go, mate. I'm not just going to pull over here. You've got to get past me, and I will make sure that you've got room. But I'm not just going to let you pass. I'm not going to pull over like Checo for for Max. This is you have to earn this. And yeah, I'm, I, not the B, I'm not B driver. Yeah. And but I think that the the funny thing is, I thought it was no George, don't let him pass. But then I thought George, mate, you've got ten years left. He's got one <laughs> or two. Just yeah. do it. It's cool. It's no dramas. You actually earn more respect within a team and a management structure. You think about being a team manager like Otmar or any of those other people mm. or Matteo. You know, they look at drivers like that and they go, okay, there's someone who understands the bigger picture. That's what you want in, in a lot of senses in the team. But, you know, I, I'm disappointed for George, but I think that this just shows that his time will absolutely come. It's yeah. it's kind of along, along the lines of a, a heap of other drivers that, that have that kind of coming to them. Um, the other thing before we talk about the big elephant in, in the room, which is big red and with a lot of hair on his head, uh, uh, <laughs> Mateo, um, let's talk rain. Because, mate, it was for, not even before the formation lap. We're talking, you know, car drivers in cars, bells have gone off, uh, engineers are off the grid, and there was a radio message, we're expecting rain in 
five minutes, it'll last 10. Mate, we never mm. got rain. There was, a, there was rain in the last three laps, but it was not rain. How no, on but- earth do they get this wrong so often? I don't think they do get it wrong. I think that, you know, I think it's sort of it one rain. of those. I think they, you know, they embellish the in the truth a little bit or, or what is not the truth in the in the broadcast team. Like, it, I think it was actually very apparent um, in this race because, you know, the commentary kept, kept talking about rain and things like that. But then the tie strategies that the teams were doing were clearly, you know, implying that they didn't think there was going to be rain. Um, so that it very much felt like that disconnect between, yeah, broadcast and reality. Uh, Max ended up winning by 7.8 seconds. Max Verstappen started 10th. Now, fresh <laughs> engine. They say the engines, when they're fresh, they have more power and all that kind of stuff. But, wow, Max Verstappen started 10th and won by 8 seconds. You've got to say it's a dominant year for Red Bull ahead because they're already way ahead. We'll get to that in a bit. But, man, this this really showed that we don't actually, I don't think we've got the battle we thought we had for the championship. I think this is Red Bulls to lose, full stop. But but only because of, and this is a good segue, the stupidity of Ferrari. Like that, it's, it's not even that, that Red Bull is necessarily faster or more reliable or, you know, the drivers are, are so far ahead of the abilities of Ferraris. It's just Ferrari is, it's almost like, you know, I was saying to you, they've got like the same bets against them that we've had tonight. Like it's just so bizarre the decisions they make. Like, Charles they, yeah, I feel like I've had better strategy and you know, F one manager on my phone. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say the game is such a great way to inspire yourself to be better than Ferrari in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> Charles Leclerc finished the race sixteen seconds behind um the leader, Max. Charles three stopped. Now I know he had crap ties in the middle <laughs> sector, there, sector there, but with a different choice, different decisions, he should have been battling for the lead. Carlos signs 14 seconds behind, two stopped. Um, and we'll talk about Alpine because I think they did a great job, but they proved that the hard tyres were bad for their mm. own good they did that, but they proved the hard tyres were bad, yet others continued to do it, like Ferrari. Why on earth would you put Charles Leclerc on a hard tyre? To uh, it Just, mate, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It was it was ridiculous. Like, it, it in the sense of, you know, no one there was, tr- like, were they trying the one-stop strategy? No one was trying that really. And then mm. even with the, the Alpines, like you say, like, there was the... the you know, the times they're showing, they were so much slower. Like, they got overtaken by Daniel really easily, um, both of them just after that. And then even before them, I think the Hasses went on the hard tyres as well and they fell right back too. Like, it's bizarre. Like, I don't know, maybe they ruined some mediums or something we didn't know about or softs or who knows. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't bizarre. understand how a scrubbed or even three-lap, five-lap used set of mediums wouldn't have been a better choice than a new set of hards. Given mm. given what we all saw, like I'm sitting here frustrated going, why is anyone, I was frustrated at McLaren, why would you put your drivers yeah, on hards McLaren when we've witnessed too. the times that are available, in the, especially in the first 10 laps of the hards, let alone the whole, the whole usage, the times mm. were clear to us. We saw it in, in the Alpine. Now, the, I think it cost Daniel uh, uh, massively, not just because he got a five-second penalty uh, we'll get to that, but it it really cost McLaren the hard hard tie choice because they dropped like Daniels dropped behind P 
Pierre Gasly for crying out loud, who started from mm. the pit lane and two stopped. Like, don't think Pierre Gasly started from the pit lane and then one stopped and made his way up to 12th. He started from the pit lane, two stopped, and was ahead of bloody Schumacher, yeah. Joe, and most importantly, Ricardo. Fair dinkum. It's, you know, as much as we can we can bash Ferrari and they deserve it for their strategy, McLaren was looking strong, like, you know, yes. in practice and in qualifying, and they did the same thing, throwing it away mm. for this tyre that was proven by other teams to be so much slower. Like, yeah. It's... I, it's, oh, yeah, I don't I even can't I can't understand how. I mean, you can if you're. I don't know what what's a team you could you could let it go. I don't know Williams because you're throwing <laughs> you know, throwing it against the wall to try something different. Even Aston Martin, okay, try something different. Um, I respect Alpine for trying something different, and we'll get to them. But if you're battling for the championship, not just mm. the lead, why on earth was Charles Leclerc put on hard tires? He, the engineering meeting would be a Netflix Drive to Survive special, like honestly. Charles yeah. Leclerc was robbed today by his team, by no one else but his team. Let's remember, Max Verstappen won this race with a two-stop strategy and he spun the car yeah. and he still won and by 10th. Yes, he started 10th, spun the car and still finished ahead. That makes it's, no sense. The thing with the with that last pit stop as well, which I don't understand, is – you know, if the team the team is, you know, trying to think of the constructors championship more than anything at the moment. Mm. And like surely you when you weigh up the, you know, okay, we might go softs and there's the chance that we get the extra couple of points, um, you know, be, you know, overtaking and coming first and and Charles gets to win. But the risk is that if it doesn't pay off, we can lose fifteen points or whatever by falling that far behind. Like is that mm. is that not the type of like, you know, risk reward like working out that they're doing like a, a just bizarre. I remember when I was in Melbourne in the like four days before the Grand Prix, I was down there with, you know, people like Oracle and uh, someone else that were talking about, you know, supercomputing and AI and all this stuff. Mm. And Red Bull, Oracle, Red Bull were talking about how they, they process billions of scenarios <laughs> every year, right? Let me talk about that for like since since I went to my first race as a, as yeah, a exactly, journo right? and like, oh. But the point is... They've got comp- – it's not like you've got a set square and a compass and you're trying to calculate where you're going to come out of the pits and all that. They've got computer simulations mm. here which tell you in real time um, what the impact of any decision is. How does Ferrari look at themselves in a mirror <laughs> after completely stumbling today for not the first race this year? I mean, that's the problem is – this isn't a stuff up. This is a this is a a virus for them. This is a problem. I, w- I wonder if it would be very funny if you know they're sponsored by AWS. If that same AWS data we see on the screen that he's always wrong is the data they use, like that'd be. F- <laughs> it would explain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so the big That's question is: Matteo Bonotto left the pit wall and went for uh, what well, last time. Very very Britishly <laughs> calls uh, a comfort break. Do you reckon he just went in to smash something, like just walked in and just punched a wall and then came out? Like he's got to have I, been angry. He's. I think he's gone to avoid the, you know, the Sicilian hitman that was probably had a gun pointed at his head from across the pit there or something. Like that's. He's surely gone. But I, I think that I honestly think that was probably it. He, he just like he knew he just got to get out of there. The pressure. He's on camera. Press. He can't really scream at the pit yeah. wall. 
Yeah. So maybe he needed to do that for that reason. Um, it oh. was fascinating. That there was some solid battles. Um, uh, Daniel was right on Alonso there but found it a bit hard to pass. But then <laughs> this is after Daniel had pitted. The Ocon pitted, came right out beside Alonso, battled Alonso and let Ricardo pass both of them. Alonso is not going to be a happy man today because he finished eighth um, ahead of Ocon, but he would argue, not that I think it's it's likely he would have got to seventh on Lando, but Ocon cost him on the on the pit straight off the start. There was a bit of a battle mm. there that wasn't necessary. He was blowing up on the radio. Like it's not a good, uh, you know, career move for Ocon really, surely. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I, I enjoyed that. Um, his little incident there. It was, it was, I thought that, you know, Fernando was, you know, real high on him and, and thought he had a lot of potential. So I was, I was surprised. Today, or not- is that why he called him out? It was sort of like more a disappointed than angry type of thing. Yeah, I'm a disappointed mental. <laughs> yeah. It was, well, it how, was what funny else how he did it, though. I mean, but, the fact yeah. is, Fernando, breaking news, you're in a race, mate. Like, does yeah. he want him just to pull over? But I've got to say, and I'll, do I'll say this two very clearly, I think that Daniel, you watch, uh, I'd be good to watch on board from Daniel, uh, maybe off board just on Daniel for the first half of the first lap probably even just the first three turns. I just, you know how Daniel's got the reputation for send it, you know, send it into a corner mm. also. I feel like he doesn't have the guts in the first four corners of a race to really put he, it on the line. I feel like he always kind of holds back. Didn't he get nudged by Albon at the start on this one? Wasn't there, that was a, there was a solid nudge, but but there's also moments where it feels like that. he's 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 moving to a point where he basically let the Hass past. Now, could he have manoeuvred over? I don't know. We haven't seen enough on boards to really see it. But at a distance, it just looked like he wasn't – he was playing a caution. You know when you're playing F1 2022, whatever version it is, and you've got damage on and you're like, you know what, I'm mm. going to have to I'm gonna have to be careful on the throttle mm. and a bit bit heavy on the brake here just so that I don't know someone and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win the race on lap five. Um, Daniel plays that game. It's like he's too nervous to, to, to damage his car, which is a good thing but a bad thing. I think in Formula One, especially given, can we just reflect on how clean the opening laps have been this year, frankly? You know, it's been a pretty clean set of uh, first corners, much to the disappointment of most viewers. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, it has been. It was something I was thinking about um, just this, you know, watching this race was after maybe maybe turn five or six, just sort of how clean and in a line everyone was and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, overtaking was fairly smooth and it was not... No one's getting tangled up and things like that. But you know, I wonder if that's – is that a symptom of the new car just and how they can stick near each other or something like that or just the quality of the drivers or – I think it's – you know, I, I know. think it's a driver respect thing. I think we've got a mm. good bunch of people. I think Max has got a different attitude now. I actually think that there's just, just a better uh, attitude about the first corner. And also I think that probably if you analyse the, the last – certainly last season, it could be demonstrated to any driver – that championships, let alone, you know, um, constructor positions at the end of the year could be damaged by simple mistakes like that. Like the fact is Max and, and Lewis didn't need to have an Abu Dhabi battle if Max hadn't have made some stupid mistakes during the year. So everyone learns from that maybe across the grid mm-hmm. and you realise that actually getting through the race is just as important, if not more important, than the battles in that first corner or so. But this battle, there was two key things that happened in this race. There was some pit stop errors, especially by Ferrari. Um, I think they had well, they had five stops in total. I think two of them were good. The other three were slow. 
And yeah. one of them, and Martin pointed At this four, out. In the four seconds. It was like, what? why is it sitting there? All the tires are yeah. on. It was like the red light just stayed on for too long. It, it was embarrassing. Now, they didn't lose the race by a second, let's be clear, but it does make a fundamental difference to where you come out on track and all those different things, plus just attitude-wise. that They looked bad in the pits, whereas you got to say Red Bull slick as all hell. But uh, yeah, that's the reflection, right? Like it's it's sort of it's not not just a race car team; it's in any sports team; it's in any good business thing. Like it's it's getting the small things right. And if you can't get the small things right, like you know, doing a pit stop, you know, you're not even doing it in one point eight seconds and breaking records, just just an average speed of the pit. Like if you cannot do that, you, you're not going to be able to beat you know proven champ oh, well, other proven championship winners like Red Bull. At the end of the year, like it's just not going to happen, and it's clearly, yeah, it keeps happening. It's because it is not the car is not slower. The drivers are not worse. It's, it's just no. everything is is just yeah unforced errors. Well, let's have a look at uh, teams and then drivers, um, and we do it all thanks to Ko Sports. If you want to uh, rewatch any of the sessions or the full race, you can do all that at Ko Sports. And as I said, the supercars this weekend was awesome. Watch the third race from uh, the bend. It was wet as all hell, and the cars were door to door. It was it was pretty darn good racing. So quite an enjoyable weekend on KO Sports. Let's talk teams. And while their finish is eighth and ninth, um, Alpine should be pretty happy with themselves, I think, mm. because you know they won't stop this. Uh, I think my notes. I don't know where whereabouts I said it, but I wondered whether or not. Um, Oh no! My alphas were doing twenty-five plus laps on mediums. Alpine now on hards. Could they be looking to do a one-stop? So, you know, that early that decision that just shows how early the decision is made. Uh, they're in. They're, they're twenty-five laps in. They've they've stopped. They've got to get to lap seventy, and they've made a decision on the hards. Now, the decision did not pay off early. It it, it was a real problem for them. But if you look at the lap chart, they were always. You know, after 20 laps, they might have gotten up to, you know, six, seven, something like that, and they dropped down, but they then maintained their position for the rest of the race. Whereas if you look at the lap chart of a a, a, a Lando or someone like that, or, or even a Daniel, more importantly, it, it just doesn't come out very well, right? So mm, I think but, that that one stopper was very yeah. smart for them to get two solid points results. But they got lucky, like in the sense of, if Daniel or if McLaren didn't stuff up with their hard tires with Daniel, he yeah. realistically probably would have been, you know, eighth or something like that. And so they then, should have been oh, I think, tenth. Oh, and then Bottas as well, spinning off at the end. He was he was running tenth or ninth or something then as well. Was I think ahead of I think them. he got he was already passed by the Aston Martins. He was probably twelfth when oh, he spun. So he, was, he was that far, okay. So, so yeah, you're so saying they, they that, that while it looks like they got a good result with a double points finish, um, yeah. it was a risk that, in fact, I think maybe turn it on its head and go, okay, if they weren't on hards and they were on mediums uh, in that middle sec, middle uh, middle stint, um, they would have been further up and therefore battling McLaren head-to-head because that's their battle. Their battle yeah. is McLaren. Now, while they got two points finishes and McLaren only got one, um I, I think it's still probably a better performance by McLaren overall, despite the fact that, again, they made a stupid decision on the hard tyres. But team-wise, the standout for the weekend's probably Mercedes. As, as leaving aside the, the slick operation that is Red Bull, that's to be expected. But Mercedes, once again, and I can't wait to look at the constructors, but Mercedes once again showed that they are a bloody good team. 
they they feel like at the moment that knowing you're in a movie and there's sort of like that montage scene where the the main characters sort of training they're getting like right near their peak again just the, the yeah. comeback bit that's that's what it feels yes. like with them at the moment they're just they're hitting the gym they're at the they're at the boxing bags and uh after the summer break ready to ready to take on Red Bull right at the front again. Cue the, cue the inspirational oh, music. Yeah. The orchestra hits a, hits a crescendo. It's really yeah, going to happen. But I, I, They've I just, just reached the top of the steps at Philadelphia. It's all going on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And now they've got to turn around and really just box, just punch at the air, folks, punch at the air. But, you know, you wouldn't be unhappy if you were Toto right now because no. heading into the break, um, they had a pretty shocking start to the year. It's not the worst position to be in. No. And I think the, the sort of the vibe that the whole Mercedes operation and definitely Toto gives off is sort of that, you know, we accept our shortcomings. We try to work out what they are and we try to address them and then we're pretty confident that we will be able to address them. And it's sort of that just that calmness in, you know, in that adversity, which is what has set them apart for a decade now. And you know, even though they've it's been they've been a bit more behind than normal this year, it certainly does not feel like they don't believe they can they can bring it back. Hmm. Unlike Williams, oh, that's uh, yeah, is that not that's, the saddest story in Formula One? I mean, seriously, it's it's gone nowhere. That they've had no improvement uh, year on backwards. year. There, yeah, well, them and them and uh, you got to be a bit worried about Alpha Tari. We've mentioned that before, but I think Alpha Tari would be the disappointment of the year. Williams would mm. be just not disappointing, but just the we wish it had gone better for them. But we kind of expect where they are. Yeah, and the the Alpha Tari one's more because of the sister team. Obviously, you sort of feel like at some point there's going to be some intelligence that between the teams is going to get them. <laughs> You know, back up a little bit, but you know, what's Williams going to do? They got they got nothing. They don't even yeah. they don't even really have a Mercedes partnership anymore. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, technically run their engine, but not but not the uh, the closer deal with with George and stuff as it used to be. Yeah, it's a pretty sad sight. And just finally on teams, Aston Martin, you know, mid pack in this race, tenth and eleventh, and that probably shows uh, basically where they are. I mean, they with the money they got behind them, with the potential clout they got behind them. I don't think that's a great performance. They should be battling Alpine, if not McLaren, and they're nowhere near doing that. They're only doing it by chance and by, you know, accident really with with the other teams. So, again, it's a disappointing result at this point in time. So you'd have to say that, you know, uh, the, the season's going very well for Red Bull. It's going pretty well now that they're on track with Mercedes. It's not going awful for McLaren. I feel like they're they're in the right direction, but I I, I feel like, Maybe Haas is the only other one that might have some positivity. They've had some reasonable results this year. Mm. But for everyone else, it's a negative year. Like, you know, I think Alfa Romeo showed some early promise, but it's actually kind of fizzled out. So you've really only got a, a top four happy happy teams and uh, it's Red Bull, Red Bull to lose it all. In terms of the individual drivers, um, I think that, you know, Yuki continues to disappoint. Um Guan Yu Zhou is or Zhou Guan Yu not not going too bad, but you know he'll he'll keep his seat. He's, it's yeah, kind of fascinating the, that we've yeah. got we've got Vettel's open seat, Latifi's likely open seat. We've actually got a bit of potential movement over the summer break. So we think Oscar's you'd hope has got one of them. Like it's, that's if if Otmar hasn't landed him a seat, 
Frankly, within a week. It should all be announced within a week. Get him with his old team. Like, surely. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, that's, that's weird, that one as well, still going on. Um, but I wonder if, you know, now that that seed has opened up with Seb, is it, does that mean that, do we think it's going to open up another seat for another rookie? Or is it that someone who's been on the sidelines is going to get another run? Like is it what, like Nico? I mean, you know, I don't. Nah, maybe I don't not. think. Maybe, maybe I don't think. I don't think you bring back anyone. Well, who then? Who else other than a rookie? Uh, um, no, good point. There was actually no one. There's no one. Yeah, he's probably the only one sitting on the sidelines these days. That's right. And it's, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of moved on now. Um, you know, yeah. anyone that's, that was there has kind of gone to IndyCar or or moved on completely. So it feels like the right time to bring in a couple of rookies. Um, the only, the only, I like the idea of um, Schumacher going to Aston Martin just so that it opens up a, a a proper rookie seat alongside Magnussen at a proper rookie team. You know, not a bad thing. Um, but I, I personally would love to see someone new. I, I'd love to see Oscar again against Stroll because I'd love to see him show him up every single race. Hopefully, um, but you know that that's all pure speculation, right? I mean, that's that's the way they roll. Um, mm. I want to talk about uh, Michael Massey quickly, but let's um, let's look at the standings. I um, I actually expected this to be a touch different, but I guess Ferrari did end up with fourth and sixth. But Red Bull lead the constructors championship four hundred and thirty one points, almost a hundred points ahead of Ferrari, who have three thirty four. Mercedes is just thirty points behind Ferrari. Alpine on ninety nine go into the break ahead of McLaren, four points ahead of McLaren, who have ninety five. So. That's a that's a that's a big win for them going into the break, but it's also tight as hell, uh, and you know you can't you can't bank on next year's revenue just yet. You're you're gonna I'll be banking on fifth mm-hmm. just just to be sure. Um, in in the drivers, wow. Sorry, just Max. quietly, just quickly before we go, drivers. You, you're talking before you think Hass will be a little bit happy. If you look at them there in in seventh spots, only mm. what fifteen points behind Alpha. I think. At, yeah. This point in the season, being where they are, I think they would be very happy. They'd be very happy, um, and you know, it'd only take a couple of good results yeah. to potentially that's, challenge Alpha. But that's you, one ha- sneaky podium, and you, you've you're Gunter six. would be very happy to bank the prize money from seventh. Oh, compared, but you know, compared to three or so years of of ninth or tenth, definitely. Like if he could cash out right now, <laughs> he he'd take seventh. Speaking of cashing out, um, Max Verstappen to win. Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez top six finish. That was a twenty nine dollar odds. I've done that, and nailed it. And and for some reason, I uh, the very last minute, I put ten dollars on Max at seven fifty to win. I hit him at the start. I hit him at sixteen. Wow, really? Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I saw. It. I like, what? How is like? <laughs> Well, it's just a no-brainer just to take that one. Just a few bucks. Thanks for the heads up. Jeez, appreciate that. Well, I felt um, like you would have seen it. No. <laughs> you know, it's when you, when you open it up, enough. it's the first thing that's on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, driver's standing, Max Verstappen, 258 points ahead of Charles Leclerc, 178. Sergio Perez, five points behind, 173. <laughs> like, that's Amazing. Charles. Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Anyway, George Russell in fourth, one fifty-eight. Carlos Sainz fifth, and he's had a win at one fifty-six. Lewis one forty-six. So the battle for second in the world championship, yeah, 
it is strong. The paddle for first feels tough to bet against Max. Like, yeah, because at this point, even if math. yeah, even even if Charles came first every race and he came second, it's 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 not going to work. <sighs> now, just quickly, there was a, an article in the. Telegraph, Sunday Telegraph today, um, a double-page spread. I was the most hated man in the world from Fairfield to F1 and his fall from grace, Michael Massey, world exclusive in the Telegraph. And it wasn't a bad bloody article, to be honest. A lot of info there from James Felp about, you know, what he dreamed to do, how he was deputy to Charlie Whiting, all that stuff. And then there was a, a paragraph or six on the decision at Abu Dhabi. There was a whole column on the death threats and on the aftermath, and there was just this one paragraph that said, mm. Massey can't talk about the decision because of a non-disclosure agreement with the FIA, which means at least he got a payout, okay? Because mm. you don't sign a non-disclosure agreement without a payout, right, Harry? No, you 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 know you want something out of that your side of the bargain as well. You're not gonna you're not gonna shut but your mouth. The, you could show your story to a current affair. But the hypocrisy here is that the FIA, all the drivers. Uh, the dude that runs it, whatever his name is, Muhammad, someone, um, you know, everyone involved, Stefano, everyone involved in F1, drivers included, um, have put this pledge down. It's like the We Races One pledges, but it's all about bullying and trolls and everything mm. on the internet. Now, I'll use um, Greg Rustwoods, who's a good mate of mine, and he, he said on, on social media, while I'm very pleased to see the recent campaign and proactive stuff F1 is doing to combat social hate, I wish more was done by the fraternity for Michael Massey in the past six months. Right or wrong, good or bad, no umpire should ever be treated that way. And you know, it's essentially a, a, a message to Lewis Hamilton and Toto, who were very, very vocal about it. Which you know, the vocal nature of those two inspires their fans. And you know, Michael Massey would have been in a very dark place, not just because of the the industry uh, around him, but you know, just hearing what people are saying online and. You know, I, I don't know whether they had to give him his job back, but I just think that it's a very weird thing, hypocritical thing, frankly, to be talking mm. about online kind of treatment of people when they just hang him out to dry. Yeah, and, you know, there is there is obviously the an element of um, a here-the-moment type of thing, but it, it, the fact that it sort of kept getting doubled down on and things like that for, from those guys was was really, I think, you know, especially in hindsight now reflecting on it even more, just extremely hypocritical in the things that they try to publicly stand for as well. And, and it's mm. sort of, they talk about, um, you know, they go back to the drawing board and they, they keep working on things and, you know, they, we, we're all human, we all do this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, even if you take away every other bit of politics and everything to do with what happened, like there was not even that sort of train of thought of it was like immediately gunning for this guy's head going for you, you know, a legal way, going for you public way, like, you know, it's easy to say that they didn't actively, you know, go and say to people, go in the streets and find him and lynch him and or whatever. Mm. But, you know, you, it's, you can, just by, by voicing that displeasure um, to people who look up and are your fans, they're, they're going to replicate those feelings in ways that you know that you, you can't control. Yeah, um, the reason we we get so passionate about it is because we we literally follow these people. We yeah. we kind of believe in what they say, and that's that's the effect they can have on people. You know, Lewis and Toto could have been saying whatever they want behind the scenes, but could have publicly been saying, you know what? In the end, a great race was had, and we'll fight next year for for a championship again. You know, yada yada yada. They could have just moved on like that. But you're right, and you I think 
you know, you, your point to me earlier today was that everything about this sport is hypocrisy in, in yeah. some ways. And, you know, again, don't want to get too political, but the point is I watch this sport for the racing, you know. That's what I watch it for. Now, drivers like to say they want to use their influence. The sport wants to use its influence to do things about a whole range of social issues. But in the end, I'm actually not being influenced by any of their their conversations or their messaging. I'm simply influenced by the people around me and the decisions I make around you know, my family and community. I don't know why a sport should be responsible for that kind of thing. It's great that they stand for these things. But I don't know how they crack down on, for example, online behavior when they don't have the power to. Like, they actually don't have the power to do anything other than to say, please don't say bad things. Mm. I mean, I, th- I think in that particular case, it's a little bit of theater. But I also think that for Formula One, the bigger issue is to do with, you know, and this is this is not so much, it's not, it's not even about like an opinion thing. It's about a, a straight um like sport washing and human rights thing, I think that is their biggest hypocrisy is that, you know, we re-race as one, we, you know, don't bully people, whatever, but you know what, we're going to go to these countries Jenna. and these tracks with horrendous human rights records and doing horrendous things to to people and to the planet and whatever, and we are for the environment and we care about people, but we'll happily take money from anyone to race anywhere. Like that's, for me, that's the part that I find hard to swallow. It's, it's not. It's weird as a as a as a strange, uh, simple tech dude. If I'm trying to invoice someone, I have to provide paperwork that talks about you know I don't have involvement in slavery in my production mm. chain. Fortunately, I don't have production chain, so you know I am a I, I'm a slave driver. I, I'm pretty hard on myself, but I, I can sign off I mean, on how that. Much do, how much well, do you pay but, the kids? How yeah, much exactly. does Jackson get paid? <laughs> yeah, for a minimum wage. Um, and, <laughs> and yet, yet they don't have in their contracts that, you know, basic human rights and things like that. So, yeah, I think our point is that let's just go back to racing. That's my point anyway. Uh, Let's just go back to racing and use different times, different platforms, different ways of ensuring that, you know, education like that does occur. In fact, the very simple nature of if you actually made those statements by not going to certain places for certain reasons, you would make a bigger statement than any concerted campaign that they, they actually bring on. Uh, that's how I see it, and I think that's what you're trying yeah. to say with the venues that they attend. I, that, that's it as well. But the other thing that I think that gets missed a lot and in this type of discussion, not just with Formula 1 but with any sport, is mm. when you've made sports so commercialised, you have to remember that the, the image and the brand and what sport stands for is no longer just that. It has to suit these title sponsors and whatever that brand and that company is trying to their their views on things as well because you know if you've got a title sponsor of your league or team that is giving you tens of millions of dollars a year you know you, and they don't like the things that you say or they want you to say this instead you, you're going to change you know what you do publicly to suit that because that's you need that money in the same way that you go to these countries because you need that money or want that money i should say yeah the, these companies the, these teams are not going to um, you know, talk about the risks of investing in crypto when most of them have a huge crypto exchange as a sponsor. I mean, it's probably yeah, it's, exactly. like, it's like the new tobacco. You know, it's it's fascinating how that market has has opened up for for sports rights and sports teams, but that we don't talk about the risks in it anyway. I just it, it's a selective problem that I think the sport has, and also I think it does in some way. In finally, in closing, it does kind of take away from the message that was pushed so hard and and so 
correctly last year around we races one. It's like so. What we just got a different message this year. We're just going to pick a different thing every year and not follow. I don't know. I just felt like that was my problem. Was it was the same thing? It was drivers repeating words. They went, "Let's do the thing we did last year, but mm. with a different topic." It was uh, yeah. The, that the, was the what was bad about it. For me. Yeah, yeah, and you know, similar to that note, before we go, like Seb Vettel's retirement video was incredible, yeah. and and how yes. graceful and eloquent he was speaking about. You know, it, not directly, but you know, very clearly alluding to these reason, these issues as a you know heavy reason as to as to why he's retiring now, um, yeah. and it, it was genuine, it was passionate, and even though he's, he's gone because he, he for part of it because he couldn't express that sort of stuff fully like that, he's was always a good example like that of how to communicate these things um, to people, and you know they don't learn. Anyway, he, he's an honest man. That's what you get from. Yeah. He's also matured. Let's be honest. I mean, he's grown oh, up geez. in this sport and he's matured immensely. Um, it's been great. It's kind of like you wish you wish the younger people in the sport had that wise head around them, but mm. it's not that easy to do. It, it takes time to grow into that sort of stuff. So you know, kind of fascinating. Um, we get a break now, um, and it's all it's all back on on the fourth of September with the Dutch. Grand Prix, um, that'll be, uh, I don't know how that'll work for me because I'll be in Berlin at the time, but we'll work that out when the, I'll when be the in, break is I'll over. I'll be in Indonesia. Will you? Okay. International episode. Wow, this is going to be huge. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll technically work that out, folks. We're, 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 we'll make it happen. Uh, then we've got Italy, it looks like the week after, um, 11th of September. Um, that's the, uh, where's that one? Is that just Monza? Yeah, it doesn't say it on the actual um, thing, but mm. that would be the Monza Grand Prix because we've already been to Italy for Imola um, on the on the 11th of September and then uh, a couple of weeks later in Singapore. So it kind of ramps up after that and um, it's a solid second half to the, to the season. But you'd have to say right now, Harry, Max and Red Bull's championship to lose. I think I cannot see a way for Max to lose. Um, in terms of constructors, though, I don't know. Could be could be potential there for for an upset if Sergio stops performing. But Max not winning drivers' championship at this stage seems very unlikely. I would I would put my money on the constructors as well. So I mean, I'd still we'll put, I'd still put the money on it. I'd still put my money <laughs> on it. But but it doesn't feel impossible in the way that it feels impossible for someone to beat Max individually. And let me just say this, and and not we haven't I haven't briefed uh, Harry on this or even asked him, but I would just <laughs> say that if there are major driver moves during the um, during the break, as they call it, the summer break over there, um, especially if it involves more than one Aussie, um, you know, could there be something with Daniel? Don't know. Um, you know, the Renault thing was a shock a few years ago, so why couldn't it happen again? Um, but certainly Oscar and others, if it happens, we'll uh, we'll jump back on the line and have a chat about it because uh, Formula One doesn't stop, even though they, they are required to stop for several weeks. There are still movements <laughs> that are made, which is why I say there could be a lot happen literally in the next week. It could be very mm-hmm. quick um, once they all pack up the, the decisions and the announcements around those things because there would have been deals done this weekend in the, in the garages, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the Schumacher ass and all those kind of moves. Deals would have been done this weekend, and it's just a matter of when they get announced and the coordination between them. Vettel dropping that news made the summer break and a ripe opportunity for driver announcements. I think we shall yeah see something off the back of that. I think yeah. All right, 
Well, we'll be back when we can, but uh, most importantly, enjoy a few weeks without Formula One, some uh, some proper night sleep on a Sunday night, and um, you know some normal work weeks, folks. Uh, Connor will be back with us after the um, after the winter break as well, because that Tour de France, Jesus, that's a long event. I mean, fair dinkum. Yeah, I know. God, I couldn't I, think of anything worse. Just quietly. I mean, it says says the the two blokes hanging up till one thirty a.m. to watch some cars go around in circles. But yeah, yeah. But hang on a minute. That's that's okay. Even if that's, that's just true. once a week, it's like twenty twenty two times a year. These people are doing yeah, it for a month every night. And oh yeah, no, can't get into it. I'm, I can't do it. I'm just I'm just trying to trying to find the light, but I can't do it. I can't. No, I can't indulge. There's no light. It's madness. All right, mate. Talk to you in a few weeks. Yeah. See you then.